Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Building Heroes podcast. This is episode 107, and I'm excited to have Sarah Collins on with me today. She did an awesome guest training for us in the membership, in the Hero Journey membership, back in um, November. I mean, I don't want to you know, whenever it was, October, I think. <laughs> and, and I oh. am excited to have her on because she is a homeschool occupational therapist, which is maybe something we have not heard of before. So <laughs> I am going to turn the time over to you, Sarah, and let you tell your story and what that even means. Yeah, you're probably right. You haven't heard of what a homeschool <laughs> occupational therapist is because there aren't very many of us. Um, I am obviously an occupational therapist by trade, and I'm a homeschool mom, and so I've kind of combined them to um, work with other homeschool families. But so let me dig in a little bit more. You know, like um, so, who I am? Um, I am an occupational therapist that worked with several different populations first. Like I was working um, full time at a hospital, Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Then I worked doing home health care for a while when my kids were little. I was following basically the the normal American drive, right? I'm using air quotes with that, which I realized that you can't see, but <laughs> so I'll just let you know that that was happening. Um, we, my kids were in public school at that point, and I was going around to everybody's different homes and working with families that were ha typically had people who were older, who were coming out of inpatient rehab, a lot of broken hips or um, strokes or things like that. And it was actually in a home there where I saw a family who was homeschooling. And I thought, huh, well, that's different than, you know, what I thought that, you know, at least I don't know what I thought these unsocialized people who were living in a shed or something. I don't know what I really thought, <laughs> but to see it firsthand, right? <laughs> to see it firsthand was something totally different than when I would drop my kids off and I would go do my own thing and they were doing their own thing. And then I picked them up and literally my daughter was seven at this point. And I would be like, tell me seven things about your day. And then I would drive her to field hockey practice or swim in team or whatever else she was doing at that point. And, um, the person whose home I was in, she was like, well, Sarah, I just feel like I should tell you about this. I said, great, but I work full time and I can't do anything about it. And, Lo and behold, uh, my husband got a new job within a month of that. We moved to Pennsylvania and we did start them in public school again. Then at that point, they were, my daughter was in third grade. My son was in kindergarten and then my youngest was one. Um, and we were moving again to our permanent home in May. And we said, this is stupid. Why are we starting school again? So we started homeschooling at that point and um, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, my son, who I mentioned, Caleb, he's my middle son at that point. He was in kindergarten and he was really struggling to keep up with his peers to learn to read in, in kindergarten, which, you know, I, I've since changed my thinking on that. <laughs> but at that point I was like, oh my gosh, he's behind. What are we going to do? And um, he can't catch up and he can't even, we realized, you know, I'm an occupational therapist and I did not know what the 
issue was until we were at one point out in my front yard of our new home and my neighbor was playing frisbee with him and literally the frisbee came and hit him right smack in the face gave him a nice rosy black eye and I was like you didn't even see that coming at you you had no idea and then a little bit later you know we were working on reading and I he said to me he's like mom how does anyone learn to read when the words are moving on the page like oh buddy they're not and so it really um at that point I recognized okay, we're going to back up off this reading. There's a lot more that we need to do um, before. We need to teach your eyes how to work. Um, it turns out he had convergence, insufficiency, visual scanning difficulties. He also, which I knew before, he had sensory processing disorder. There was all kinds of things that we were working through. Um, but I realized a little bit more of we don't have to keep up with what everyone else is doing, but we can follow you on your own path. And it has been such a privilege to be able to do that for him. And then now my older kid, you know, now they're coming up in age. So my daughter is now that little one who started when she was in, what did I say? Fourth grade? Yeah. Fourth grade was our first full year. So I guess she was, I don't know, nine. <laughs> how, how is it that I don't remember ages at this point? Because you're um, a homeschooler and yeah. don't remember what grade correlates with what age, but probably yeah, nine because I, I think my 11 year old yeah. sixth. <laughs> okay. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So she was nine when we started and she's now 14 and Caleb was six when we started he's now 11 and my youngest was one and he's now seven so there we go <laughs> now you've got it that's where we are now so everyone's kind of coming up in my youngest Reese he doesn't know any different you know he's only known the homeschool world but my others obviously went to went to school first so I was home with them for a couple of years and then realized um I actually went to a handwriting without tears convention to keep up my OT license and um, one of the professors or teachers there was like, Sarah, you don't know how many people in the homeschool world need an occupational therapist just to ask questions to, you know, we're not obviously in the public school where they're pointing out, Hey, this is an issue or this is an issue. And maybe we need to, um, do some testing or things like that. Um, and so that was interesting. I was like, Oh, well, yeah, maybe, but that's not something that I have time for. So great. Um, I'll think about that. And I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And another one of my friends within actually a same week um, who homeschools as well. And she was like, she came to me with some questions and we were talking through her day. And she was like, Sarah, you, there's a lot of people out there that really can be serviced through this and can really be helped. Because, you know, my vision, and I think yours too, since we're talking about my hero's journey, is that our kids are all on their own path, right? Like they have their own way to go. Um, that doesn't mean we have to do it alone to help them get there. Um, but a lot of times, though, I think parents are the expert in their children. A lot of times if we seek out somebody to, to be able to ask questions to, or to say, there's something that my child needs and wants to do, like Caleb, he needed to learn to read, and there was something holding him back, what can we do to help in that situation? Not to fix them, but to help and to build on their strengths and to help in our homeschools to set up our day or to build these underlying skills or whatever it is. So that's that's what I do now. I've combined, you know, homeschooling and occupational therapy, and I absolutely love it. It's so wonderful. 
Yeah. And I agree. I think that's so, so needed. And I think you bring up a really good point that, yeah, we're, you know, that's a beauty of homeschool that we can help our kids go on their own path at their own pace. But sometimes we do worry about the kids getting behind or whatever, but if we aren't addressing some of the issues that they may have, um, well, those are part of their path. They're the yeah, totally are their path. I mean, my yeah. oldest son, he, um, I had, well, and you also said that sometimes at public school, they're pointing out the issues, but sometimes they don't recognize them. Sometimes right. they'll find them and you as a mom are going to see these much more easily. And we're not thinking these mm-hmm. are anything wrong. It's just, these are some of the challenges that they get to learn and mm-hmm. grow from, which mm-hmm. when you frame it that way, it makes it a lot more exciting, a little less scary too, I think. But yeah, yeah. I say my oldest son, um, he went to public school. He took these vision tests, passed them all, had great vision. And then the next year I started homeschooling him and he started telling me he was having eyeball headaches and I'm like, mm-hmm. eyeball headaches. That's an interesting <laughs> Like, what does that mean? <laughs> right. And, but that's how he could express himself. But he had just started reading right. and um, I said, okay, well, I guess we should go get you checked out and see what that means. Yep. And it turns out he was actually blind in one eye. Oh, buddy. (laughs) But but he had just compensated. He didn't know any differently. It's just like your son with the moving letters. Yeah. didn't know anything different. No. And he literally was like, mom, how am I supposed to know what to do if these words are moving on the page? Like he really thought that that's what was happening. In reality, it's his left eye was reading and he was getting tired. And then it would switch to his right because they weren't teaming together. So then his right eye would start reading. And if you, you know, you blink back and forth, you can see what it looks like. It does look like the words are moving on the page. And that's, that's what he thought. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I mean, well, our, our, our first year of homeschooling was not what I pictured at all. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was definitely more focused on doing vision therapy and, yep. Yep. and, hours. <laughs> and, and, um, but, but the beautiful thing is, is because he was homeschooled, we could make that happen a lot easier. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We did vision therapy and I really taught him to read through spelling. It's kind of the reverse way that, you know, most people learn to read and then they're kind of spelling after that. But we went the opposite approach because he couldn't read a straight line on a book, but yet we could talk about cat. How do you spell cat? cat? And then he could come up with the letters and we could write them in sand and we could make them. Oh, we were so kinesthetic those first couple of years. Um, and then now he's reading beautifully and um, writing. Well, he has dysgraphia too, but um, now starting to write beautifully. And then if not handwriting, dictating to the computer. So um, when I'm saying writing beautifully, I'm meaning he's a writer, not he's actually handwriting. <laughs> right. So. And, you know, I mean, maybe he can be a doctor, right? Isn't that the joke? They all have bad handwriting. <laughs> right? Yeah, they all have bad handwriting. <laughs> Clearly, it didn't stop the doctor, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, but I mean, nice handwriting is nice. But nice handwriting maybe- is nice. But not maybe not essential in all cases, you know, and that's one of the right. things we can do with uh, personalizing our kids' journeys. Right. And, and I will you- never be a person that's like, you don't need to learn to write, um, especially if you have 
kinesthetic learners like my son, like he needs to be able to touch things and walk through. And one of the ways that you can do that hands-on wise is by taking notes or writing. Um, but you could do the same thing by drawing and he is great at drawing and you could do the same thing by, you know, having a, um, a smart pen, um, the light, right scribe or light scribe writer is one that I recommend a lot, but so you're like doodling something and then it's recording what a person is saying. So there's a lot of ways that you can use motor skills, which are, are, I mean, they're proven to really help us with our memory, because if you're the more senses you're using, the better recall you have. So I don't think that we should ever be like, eh, we don't need handwriting at all, but we do need to think about our personal, our kids' personal journeys and what is learning to write harder than um, what it's, than its purpose it's providing. I think, I guess it's the way I should say that. Yeah. And I totally agree with that too. And and that's what we're talking about with individualizing mm-hmm. the journey. We don't have to yeah. insist that our kids have perfect handwriting, but I think it's still important right. to be practicing it. And right. <laughs> at right. the level, you know, whatever. Yeah. And what makes it for. functional for yeah. you? You know, do you need to be able to just write a list of something? Do you need to be able to just talk into your phone to say like, remind me these 13 things that I need to get at the grocery store? Or do you need to actually sit and write it down. I mean, there's two, there are people that need different things. So thinking through the function of our, for our kids specifically, I think is really helpful. Well, and I think too, even, you know, we have some kids that learn way better by listening to things sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, with Mm -hmm. all the different um, senses. But at the same time, I think having them work on all the different senses is go- just going to make yeah. more neuron connections in their brains yeah. <laughs> and just make it stick better. If we only stick with mm-hmm. just one, uh, right. you know, form of learning, uh, they're, they're going to be handicapped in life because that's not, they're not always going to be handed that way of learning for the rest right. of their life. So we kind of yeah. have to bring in all those different methods and yeah. activate all the different senses. And I think our kids learning that about themselves is also really important. You know, we talk about that all the time at home as, you know, my daughter who now is 14, she is in the co-op now where it's her first time that she's actually used a textbook textbook. Like the majority of the time we're doing things like, um, you know, living books and we're reading through those and learning that way. But this is her first time with a actual science book. And, you know, I don't know about you. I was I was public schooled. And so for me, when I'm reading through it, I find the bold words and I know that's going to go with the review question at the end. She had no idea. And so just because that's never something that she had done. And so we had to talk about, all right, how are you going to study this? How do you figure out what is important in this? Should you, is it better for you to say these words out loud? Is it better for you to highlight them, to come back? Do you need to actually take notes, which is what I need to do to get things into my brain? Like which which way works? Let's try them all and see what, what happens and what is the best for you specifically. But that's, I think, our privilege with homeschooling is that we can figure out with our kids their best specific way to learn and carry it over. Yeah, for sure. And at the same time, give them the buffet because sometimes our best ways to learn can change too. Like, yeah, right. I never used to like to listen to audiobooks or podcasts. Yeah. As I've gotten yeah. busier, I'm like, ooh, I like this. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Can change. right. 
that right. way too. And that if you're aware of that, you can advocate for that for yourself. You know, you can say to your, you know, later on in life to your boss, Hey, I'm going to record what you're saying here in this meeting so I can make sure I get it all. Or, um, it may look like I'm, you know, just doodling something, but really I'm taking picture notes on what you're saying, you know, so you can clear up what somebody else's perception might be and advocate for yourself. And that way, you know, we don't always have to conform to the perfect way that somebody else thinks you should be learning and listening, but you're saying, Hey, this is what works best for me. And I'm going to do that now so that I can be your best employee or I can be whatever, um, whatever your role is at that time. I could be your best volunteer, any of it. Um, but as we're talking about it now and their kids and they're, they're learning how they learn. And then they're saying, even if they're changing, like as they grow, they're um, aware enough to recognize that in yourself in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, so let's talk just a little bit about what occupational therapy even means. Cause you're talking about broken hips and then you're talking about how does this all connect for homeschool? I know, right? <laughs> Isn't that so interesting? Um, occupational therapy has been so wonderful in my own life because it does like what you said, their careers are everywhere. We can move all around because the purpose is occupation itself isn't like finding someone's job, but what occupation is, is anything and everything that you want to do during the day. Um, if you read some of Charlotte's Mason, Charlotte Mason's books, she talks about occupation as something that takes up your time. Um, and that I think is a fantastic um, definition, but anything from, I have to get up out of bed and take a shower. Like that's an occupation. I have to, I want to do a handicraft. That's an occupation. I want to play hockey. That's an occupation. Anything and everything that you need and want to do. So my role as an occupational therapist is to help you figure out. So, all right, here's the occupation I want to do. And for some reason I'm struggling with it. How do we fix it? Do we change something like work on something within the person? Like for example, when we were talking about my son's eyes, we needed to do vision therapy, but we also at home needed to change, um, do exercises and stuff for his eyes. So is that something within the person? Is it something within the environment? So for example, for him, you know, we changed up our time of day because his, that we were working on reading because his eyes would get more fatigued towards the end of the day. So do we need to change something in the environment or is it something in the occupation itself? So again, with reading, we changed the font size for what he was looking at. And um, I would highlight every other line to help him keep it straight of where he was. So that's changing something within the occupation. And we do this so that our kids can be successful in what they specifically need and want to do. So yeah, it is, it is a very wide berth because what you need to want to do now as an adult is different than what you did as an, you know, as a toddler and throughout the whole lifespan, it is very different. And our, everybody's environment is different and what they need and want to do is different. So it's beautiful that we get to be very personal and holistic and really think about each specific person. And that's why I love it so much. Well, and really what you're doing is, is you're, you're being a problem solver. And, yes. and that's what homeschool moms do, right? Yes. As we help uh-huh. That's go why on. they go so yeah. well together. Yes. <laughs> and not that we're trying to solve all the problems for our children, 
but rather we're trying to look at them as individuals and and see what we can affect to make things better and Mm -hmm. you know and and like you're saying you're always talking to the kids about what you're doing so that they can advocate Mm -hmm. themselves so that they can be the problem solvers Mm -hmm. too the why I think is so important. And that's part of what I do at homeschool OT is thinking about the why behind what is going on or what is causing the problem and to be successful, what you specifically need and want to do. And sometimes it's a neurological thing. Sometimes again, it's environment, but once we can give a reason um, for the, it helps to come up with solutions together. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, sometimes as homeschool moms, we might look at our kids, see that they have a problem and we might think, I don't know what to do. And then we start thinking Mm -hmm. I'm failing them. And and, oh, that mom guilt is so real. (laughs) And we're, well, this is the thing as moms, we're going to have fails Yeah, because (laughs) that's how you learn. You have to mess up. But we don't mm-hmm. want to because it doesn't feel very yeah. good. But at right. the same time, if we can look at our kids having challenges, not as a mom fail, but as an opportunity to grow. Yes. Right. Yes. Change everything. Absolutely. <laughs> and and Absolutely. if, if and I if, think yes. the mom guilt when you're yeah. in charge of. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I think I'm. Oh, no. You're frozen. Okay. Um, well, you froze for a second, so I didn't know what I said. <laughs> I'm worried about my connection. But um, I think the mom guilt when we are um, homeschooling and also trying to raise kind humans, <laughs> it can be more real <laughs> than the than if we are removing the education piece. So adding that in, like no one wants to mess up their kid's future and be like, I didn't do enough. Oh my goodness. That's not the truth though. The entire, if we're looking at it, like how you are all the time about it's a hero's journey and we've got to move through these humps and bumps and we are just there to help facilitate the path, then you're not going to mess it up. You're just going to be alongside for the ride. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think one thing, you know, sometimes I used to do this, (laughs) back in the day before I figured out a few things, uh, <laughs> you know, if my kids had a challenge, I would start beating myself up and I would start thinking, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do about this, but mm-hmm. that's, you know, where I saying, which we switch this to an opportunity to leave and not leave, learn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, if we switch it to that opportunity to learn, then it doesn't matter if we know how to do it because yep. we don't have That's to right. do it on our own. There's lots of other yep. people who know how to do yeah. it. Like right. you, you know, a lot of stuff about the occupational therapy part for people who maybe need, a, you know, that extra little help to keep, get it going mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. follow through and consistency. And I've got things that I can help people with too. Cause yep. I've been homeschooling for a very long time now. And right. you know, yeah. it's, don't, we, that's, what's so funny about homeschoolers. We are such a breed of DIYers, but we yep. shouldn't be yep. DIYing yeah. everything. It doesn't have to be alone schooling. That's what I say at the time. Like we're no. homeschooling. Yes. And this, this is our home and our environment, but it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Like there are so many different resources and people to help and different programs to try. And it's, yes, there's so many opportunities for our kids. 
Yeah. And once I started figuring that out, I mean, cause I really did believe I had to do it all myself. I believe I had to do everything oh, myself yeah. and wow. Fast track to burn out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So I had to figure that out. Yeah. But like, let's look out there and see what the best resources are and use them because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's going to make the c- learning curve shorten and it's just going right. to prevent the burnout and it's going to help our kids. And think about how that's modeling for our children. That's, Mm -hmm. I think that's such a big piece is that we don't want to teach our kids that they also have to do everything by, by themselves and that they are only responsible for themselves. You know, that's not true. (laughs) What we want is, all right, so here's where I want to get networking, social skills, like all that stuff comes from us modeling all right, I have something that I feel like I need to ask another person about. And I have another resource that I want to look and search for. Think of what our kids get from that. Know what you don't know. You know, you don't have to know every single possible thing. Um, In fact, you can't and you don't. And nor do we want to breed know-it-alls. We want to breed people that ask questions and try to figure out, all right, so here's a problem. What's a solution? Maybe I don't have the right answer, but there's got to be somebody else that does. So let's ask the right questions. Well, and that's really the whole pattern of life is all of our knowledge. It's not just to benefit us, it's to benefit Mm -hmm. other people. But if other people aren't accepting it, you know, for being DIYers, it's not Mm going to help them. (laughs) Right. Truth. Yeah. And and we're solving all the problems of the world today. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, and it's funny too, you say, know what you don't know, but the problem is, is often we don't know what we don't know. (laughs) I guess it's really just a matter of being humble enough to believe that we don't know what we don't know. To ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. My husband says that all the time. He has two really um good phrases I think that he carries with my kids all the time and one is know what you don't know because then you're more willing to listen yeah. and the other one is um you, you if you state a problem without a solution all you're doing is complaining now he says you know <laughs> your your solution can be I just need to be heard right now or I feel really sad and I'm going to talk about this so please listen to me that can be your solution but if you're just stating all these problems over and over and over again and all you're doing is complaining hmm, <laughs> like, that's not going to get us anywhere is it <laughs> I like that a lot I know right? I recently <laughs> I have been like man we got a lot of complaining going on around here. And then I started looking at myself and I'm like, Oh um, yeah. Where's that starting? And sometimes maybe you do just need to be heard and that's okay. <laughs> so I, say it, you know, yeah, so you can like there is it. something that is right happening right now. And I feel upset about it. So I need to tell you about it. And Great. People are almost always willing to listen to you, especially when you start off with that. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, what we usually do, the just human nature thing to do is just say, oh, there's so many dishes in here. Why can't the kids clear their plates and rinse Mm -hmm. them and blah, 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 blah. Right. But that Mm -hmm. solves nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Nope. except for putting people on the defense it does solve that (laughs) (laughs) well and and all it does is give you a little emotional vent but it doesn't solve your problem so (laughs) yeah and that's where it's really good to if you can state the problem with a solution 
then it actually puts you in a different state of frame or mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> frame of mind. Frame of mind. I'm with you. <laughs> yes. I'm just speaking tired mom talk, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then if you're in a different frame of mind, you can go into the problem solving mode and creation right. of it. For right. sure. Yeah. So a lot of the problems that people come to me with that I felt most recently, um, the handwriting, which we already talked about before, you know, when do we need to give up on handwriting? How do we have neat handwriting? Like those are some of the problems, um, sensory processing, like my kid can't focus, um, on anything and, or things like, um, my child is continuously crashing and running into things and seeking all of the sensory information all the time, or my, my child can't wear certain clothes. Like these are all things that people are coming to as kids get older. Um, a lot of time management, especially in the homeschool, like my teenager has this, this, and this to do, and they seem to just be staring into space or not able to, um, ignore the, dings on their phones also adults <laughs> you know we have that same yeah. type of thing too <laughs> um so yeah and then we had to work through all right so if these are the quote unquote problems then how do we address them within either your environment or skills within your own child or um the occupation like what can we do to modify the what they need to do so that we can have them be successful yeah, that's awesome. And you anticipated my next questions because I was going to say, oh. tell us <laughs> what the, the typical problems are that parents want to have solved. And that's, those are some big ones for sure. So give us yeah. an example of what you would recommend for a kid that can't focus. We'll see. So, yeah, so a kid that can't focus, first of all, we have to define what exactly does focus look like? Because what you and I probably were told in school, like you need to sit still and have eye contact and keep your hands in your lap um, is very, very different than what um, research is showing that actually helps to focus. A lot of times kids need movement. So, or they need something to do with their hands. Or, I mean, I'm literally sitting here with a pen right now, kind of going back and forth and twirling it around because that's what's helping me to focus on, on this conversation. So, so we need to work through, all right, what is it that can help our kids? So what what does that focus look like? Um, and what is it that they need to do? So a lot of times I will do something called the sensory profile where we look through like what type are they processing visual information? Are they processing auditory information? And then other t- terms that you may not have heard of, proprioception, which is what the joints feel and knowing where your body is, um, vestibular, which is different than knowing how your body feels, but knowing where you are in space also controls your balance. Um, and interoception, which is knowing what's going on inside your body. You know, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? If you don't know that about yourself, you know, you are not self-aware in that manner, then it's very hard to advocate. So I need to get a drink and then I'll be able to focus more. Or I'm hungry. Who can hungry, who who can focus when they're hungry? You know, so we you look at angry. some of those. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we look at some of those underlying causes of, and define what it does. You know, how can we promote this focus? Sometimes it is changing 
our own personal definition. So maybe there's, we're reading aloud and they're playing Legos that happens in my house all the time or painting. And, and then I'm asking, can you narrate that back to me? And yes, 100% they can. But if I'm having them sit totally still and asking the same thing, no, because they're so focused on keeping their body still that they are unable to do it. So what that's kind of where we start. And we look at things like what time of day are you doing these things that need to have this high amount of focus? So math generally needs a lot of um, working memory. You need to be able to look, and look at these numbers, know what to do with them. If you're you know, reading word problems, you need to be able to hold some in your head. Maybe we need to change the time of day so that we're doing it first thing in the morning when you're most alert, or maybe we need to do it after lunch and when your belly is full and then you've been outside and had a great experience jumping up and down so that you know where your body is, you're ready to sit down and to really work through it. So, or is it something like, like I was saying with my son, you know, where I had to highlight every row in the paper to help him to focus. So maybe do we need to change the paper that you're working on and have only three or four problems? Or do we need to have paper that has like multiple colors to hold your attention there? Let's look at it all and try to figure, figure it out. And just try a lot of different things. Yeah, that's so good because Mm -hmm. that's, that's, you got to look at the data that you have mm-hmm. in order to mm-hmm. see where you are so that you can make right. the changes. And, and probably you also look at what's developmentally appropriate as well for right. their age. Yes. Right. Yes. We do not want seven-year-olds sitting and sitting and sitting and sitting and sitting. <laughs> Nor really, though my 14-year-old, I'm happy if she's sitting on a ball and she's typing or she's you know, getting up and moving once an hour. I don't want her sitting for an, a ridiculous amount of time either. You know, we need movement in our day. And I want her to know that now before she gets stuck in a zone where she sits all day long. <laughs> so that's not good either. Like many adults. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And learn how to take breaks and all that too. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Th- that's yes, that's please. really. Let's have some good balance in life. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's the thing. There's so much in life, but just doing little mm-hmm. things can make a big difference. Yep. Oh, yes. I have, I have to say on Black Friday, I <laughs> I usually like to try and get all my shopping in. I have a lot of people to buy for because I have a lot of kids. <laughs> and I think I sat there shopping on my online computer for like, eight, I don't know, eight or 10 hours, like way oh, too gosh. long. And, and because I was like, I got to get this in before the sale ends, you know. And then after I was done, I was like, that was really stupid. I <laughs> and you probably felt awful. I do. You know, your body's like so sluggish and gross, but you're not paying attention to that because you're so like stuck. I got to get this all done. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I'm glad I did that though, just because that reminds me that I yeah. don't want to get caught in that trap because sometimes you right. can't because you got other stuff you got to working on and you get focused. So I was like, okay, well, sometimes maybe it is good to overdo it one day, but then just <laughs> get back, erase that day from your mind and move forward. Yes. <laughs> but look at what you recognized about yourself too. And that 
a lot of times what I'm doing with families is giving them a language for what they are seeing. So we were talking about sensory processing a little bit with focus, you know, giving a language to our kids to say, like, I need to move right now. You know, I feel, you know, whatever, what, you know, giving that language so that they can advocate for themselves. So they know what that means and what that why they're feeling that way. And there's a couple of programs that we I work through, one being um, zones of regulation, if you've heard of that, or the alert program, depending on what you're, you know, they, they can be adapted to families, but so that our kids can learn this about themselves and what they need sensory-wise during the day and communicate that to their family members. And, well, and, yeah. and I think, I was going to say, it, it helps them realize there's nothing wrong with them. Because they're yeah. practicing, yeah. they're learning. Yeah, right. And right. having a language. Yeah. I mean, I guess after my Black Friday day, what I should have done is gotten up and said, instead of complaining, I should have said, <laughs> right now, I feel terrible and I have learned a great lesson. <laughs> yes. Or, yeah. So in zones of regulation, they look at it as colors, right? So if you are in the red zone, it's usually when you're overwhelmed or overworked. And um, the yellow zone is when you're getting to that way. So you're starting, yeah. you feeling a little jittery or, you know, something. Green is you're focused. You're ready to learn. You're great. And then blue is when you're more sluggish. And the alert program is more concrete. Like you would relate it to um, a sloth is kind of when you're more sluggish or, um, and you can pick something that your kids are into. If they're into trains, they can be like, I don't know, the, the caboose or the engine or the speedy, like lightning train or whatever. And you're kind of relating how you are. So on that day, by the end of it, you probably felt like a sloth and you felt awful. So yeah. you're saying, or in the blue, I am down here in the blue zone now and I feel terrible. I need to do this to help me feel better. You know, that's, that's the language that we're doing. If you can say how you're feeling and how your body is feeling, not your emotion as much, but how your body is feeling, then you can do something about it and you can reflect on it on why and not do it again exactly <laughs> or do it again and just know it's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> i probably will but maybe i'll take some breaks next time right <laughs> build in some breaks and go take a shower no i did yeah, i did actually take a shower <laughs> walk outside and listen to a bird for five minutes come back in you'll be a whole new a whole new person Yep. Yep. I mean, in a lot, a big part of this is really just awareness and teaching our kids yep. awareness and, and learning it for ourselves too, as moms, yes. sometimes we oh, get yeah. so focused on them, you know? Yep. So, oh yeah. There, you know, the whole self-care movement, I think there's a lot of it that leads to luxury or whatever <laughs> and fine, but there is a whole other piece of it that is taking care of ourselves so that we can co-regulate with our kids. And what that term means is that you know, if we go back to when I was talking about the zones, you know, if we keep ourselves in that green zone, then our kids can also, they're regulating from us. Their hearts are matching ours. They're, you know, I'm sure you've walked into a room once and you're like, it feels really tense in here, you know, and then you have the choice to either know how to help yourself stay calm or to also start to be really tense. So if our kids are regulating from us, we need to take care of ourselves, especially as homeschool moms who are with our kids 24 seven. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I feel like, you know, what you're saying about self-care when, when it can tend towards luxury and doing me right. stuff. I mean, not that that's so bad, but I think that self-care should, should, um, energize you and yes. give you more, mm -hmm. um, power to 
be able to co-regulate. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So. There's a huge piece of that. And some of it is what can I do in 15 minutes with my kids? Can I sit here and take some deep breaths with them, do some yoga poses, or can we cook together where I'm rolling out dough and that's a lot of deep pressure, or do we need to go outside and, you know, take a walk together? It doesn't have to be, you know, self-care where I'm leaving and I need my me time. It can be, I mean, I'm not going to say for that we have to stay around our kids 24 seven, but there's ways to take care of ourselves with our children and to model that for them too. Yeah, for sure. I remember a funny story about a, uh, this old lady who was always in her rocking chair and hopefully I remember it now, but, uh, <laughs> but basically she, when her kids were old, they found out that was her, uh, me time. She would go sit in her rocking chair and just repeat her affirmation every time to get herself back to that for her. normal. And I, thought, for her. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, if and that was know her- what else she's doing that she probably didn't even know, but that linear movement in a rocking chair is so naturally calming. And so she was, her me time was sensory regulating right then. (laughs) She was doing that for herself. Yep. Yep. And I remember when I was trying to train one of my kids to learn how to regulate some of his very powerfully strong feelings, Mm -hmm. what I would do when I was trying to help him calm down I would be saying my words over in my head, um, like water off a duck's back. Cause the visual, you know, cause ducks don't really just rolled right off. (laughs) You You were co-regulating with him. You were doing it for yourself, modeling it, or just being present, you know, and then he is able to bring himself down. You were co-regulating. Good for you. You're a rock star. <laughs> well, and it was funny because I told my sister that I had used that technique she had taught me, and she had no idea what she that what I was talking about. <laughs> I, I was like, no, <laughs> she's like, I tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, she's good. <laughs> so for her, apparently it, it didn't work, but <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and she it came to her mind at the moment that she needed to because it worked for you. So yeah. we'll go with that. Yeah. Well, this has been so fun to have you on the podcast here and to learn more about helping our kids learn how to regulate themselves and problem solve and and solve all the problems in the world, except for we can only control our own, but you know, <laughs> they can solve the problems that they encounter. Not the world's problems. Right. And, and we can, but we can control our circle of influence and our, and we can control the things we can control that are yeah. ours to control, but you know, yes. Anyway. Um, but yeah, before we hop off here, I want to be respectful of your time. I go ahead and let us know where our listeners can find you and reach out if they're interested in learning more. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at homeschool OT and I post a lot about our own homeschool and what our days look like and, um, use it kind of as an example, um, and also answer a lot of questions and stuff there. I also run the Facebook group homeschool therapy ideas and there there's a lot of other occupational therapists as well. So people can post questions and then I post resources and things like that. Um, I also, you can find me online at homeschoolot.com and there is where I, I do a lot of blogs and stuff and talk about, again, our story, but relate it through, um, 
resources for sensory, for handwriting, for executive functioning, for trauma. Um, so lots of different things going on there. I run focus groups, which you can find out about there or on my email list. And that is where we do a deep dive for a month into one of those topics. Like since I have three going um, and they alternate. So handwriting, sensory processing, executive functioning. And we really go into what exactly are those? Um, how does it affect our day? What can we do? And then we work, like we work through it together with lots of different resources and stuff in a, in a group setting. So that's where you can find me. Well, that sounds amazing. And yeah, if our listeners feel like that's something that could be helpful, go check it out. Yes, please reach out. These are, and I do private consultations within that too. If you, if it's homeschool or if occupational therapy is something that you think that you need. And I have a list of occupational therapists for direct therapy in your state. So you don't get a lot of the, how do you socialize your children questions from your therapist that you're, you're going to go to. So Thanks. So homeschool but, friendly ones. Cool. Yes. Yep. I've got a list. So <laughs> that's awesome. All <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been really great. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com.